Hi there, this is Terry Ibel, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. This chat features Maddie Patton, who is a 26-year-old screenwriter, YouTuber, and a self-taught animator. She also holds a degree in screenwriting and creative writing and has won multiple awards for her written work. Now, going way back, she learned to animate starting at the age of 12 so she could adapt a Warrior Cats novel into a web series because she was extremely cool. After that, she gained some notoriety on YouTube for her first original series, Cow of the Wild, which she started at the age of 13. Now, just over a decade later, she's writing, producing, and animating a new web series called My Pride, which we're chatting about today, and which has earned a collective five and a half million views, and it's only in the first six episodes. Now, before we jump in, this episode is sponsored by the awesome team at startastudio.com. Startastudio is a new online school focused on the business side of animation. They have both free and paid courses, an online community, and downloads to help you succeed in your animation career and build your own cool, creative, and viable animation studio. All the content is written and presented by experienced animator and studio founder John Draper. And you can use the unique discount code AIP as an animation industry podcast in the checkout to save 20% on their popular pro studio startup course. So whether you're looking to up your freelance game or plan and launch your own animation company, check out startastudio.com. Now let's jump into the chat. Hi, Maddie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What's going on with you? Nothing. Nothing. Doing producer stuff. Hello. Nice. Hello. Yeah. What have you done anything fun during quarantine at all? Like what is what is making your life exciting right now? Exciting you in a good me way. This was going to be a question. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't even know. I'm I've been so careful during quarantine. Like the most exciting thing in my life is like I play D&D. Woo! That's fun. Uh, it's like the only friend activity I do anymore. What's your yeah. can you describe your character? Yeah, online games. I have so many. Um, the one I like the most right now is a Scottish dragonborn bard who plays the bagpipes. Wow. What's and he's his, a man. What is his uh, name? Is Reginald. Reginald. How does he attack? Does he attack with bagpipe music? He does not. I sort of wish he did. He uses bagpipe music to psych up his team. Oh. Um, he has a knife he attacks with, he spits acid at people. What wait, else? Wait, wait. He's, he says he, he spits insults. acid at people. Yeah, if you're a copper dragonborn, acid is just one of the things you get to do. Doesn't it's he erode exciting. the bagpipes after a while, though? Like, isn't that like a bad combo? <laughs> I'm sure he replaces them often. It's fine. It's fine. It's got a bagpipe budget. Okay, let's let's chat about your mm -hmm. producer life because you're working on some really cool stuff right now, and I'm really happy we're chatting. So, uh, first, before we get into this, I want to kind of go back to when this all started for you. And if anybody listening knows what Warrior Cats is, then maybe you can explain how Warrior Cats influenced your professional career right now when you were 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have found that so many people were secretly inspired by Warrior Cats and will not admit that to you unless pressed, like animators, uh, because there's like a big animation community for it online. And I was one of the early ones. It's a, it's a book series about cats that are super dramatic constantly and have fights. And uh, it's, it's just fun to draw them. And then drawing them, like fan art turned into animating. And when I was a kid, there was like a trend to try to adapt the first novel in the series. And I'm the only person to this date who's actually done the whole book. And I did it in a year from when I was 12 to when I was 13. <laughs> and I made it animated. Wait, you when you were 12 years old, you animated the entire book into an animated 
animated series that was full of animation when you were 12? Yeah, well, animation. Like, we're, let's not give me too much credit. It's very bad. Most of the videos are privated because they're incredibly embarrassing. But yeah, I did. And I'm very proud I got to the end of the book. And, and it taught me a ton about writing and storytelling because you have to deconstruct something to like adapt it properly. And there's stuff you got to cut and stuff you got to add to make it make sense. Yeah. So you, you kind of went to like Warrior Cat story animation school when you were 12. And like, you're <laughs> yeah. the foremost person on this stuff how big of a following did you get um so from warrior cats i don't i don't remember how big it got just from that i think i got to maybe twenty thousand subscribers and then i got like much bigger when i after that i was like i want to keep animating so i made my own original series and wrote my own scripts for another one called cow of the wild which technically just ended last year <laughs> and i'm 26 so oof um yeah and then that one got me seventy-five thousand um subscribers eventually Oh, wow. So you're so okay. Okay. <laughs> so you've been animating since forever and like growing yeah. social following and stuff like how has this impacted your life and in, in like figuring out your career? Because what um, go for it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say it really taught me that I don't want to be an animator. Hilariously um, doing it for so long and having so many people online telling me I'm not good at it, which is I'm, I would not dispute. I've never been. Uh, that focused on the art part. I'm very focused on storytelling. Um, so it really helped me discover that I want to be a screenwriter and not an animator by doing a ton of animation. So have you gone and done any schooling in screenwriting or I guess not animation because you don't want to be an animator? Like, is, is yeah. It... yeah, I have, I have a, a degree in screenwriting um, from York and I also have a minor in creative writing and all of my professional jobs up until right now have been writing. York as in like York University, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, nice. University, just the right down there. Yeah, <laughs> so tell me, okay, so you currently have a series being funded right now called My Pride mm -hmm. it's on YouTube yes. and there's an insane amount of views for it already. So I wanna, I wanna chat about how you went from animating Warrior Cats to doing your own series to getting funding for a whole, how many episodes is it, 10? It's gonna be 10, currently there's five out. So, so tell me how that happened. How do yeah. you, how do you go from like an independent creator kind of doing your own thing, growing a little following to being like, now I'm funded. I have no idea. Um, honestly, <laughs> like oh, it I, to you. It's happened somehow. It did happen to me and I'm still confused. It's, it's, I never thought that anybody would care about my YouTube following. Cause it's just like, I animated dogs for 10 years. What a weird hobby. But then when I started telling people in the actual industry that I had any sort of eyes on my projects, they were like, what do you want to do? Um, so I ended up making a trailer. Like wait, the wait, wait, wait. What do you mean telling, telling people part. in the industry? Are, sorry, I'm, I'm just... Oh, saying. so... Oh, no worries. Um, I'm being unclear. So I, um, I got to know a lot of screenwriters and I felt like for a long, long time, I didn't tell anybody about what I did on YouTube. I was deeply, deeply ashamed. Um, and then when I started mentioning it like a little bit, when people were like, what have you written before? And I'd be like, oh, you know, some short films. And then I <clears throat> also did 25 episodes of A Thing About Wolves, don't worry. But they would get really excited and they were like showrunners. So I was like, okay, well, probably I should be more proud of this and less ashamed. And then that's when I applied for the IPF funding and the IPF also thought that was good and then gave me money. And so did Ontario Creates. Okay, so you so you talked to some showrunners through mm -hmm. random connections you had from school maybe? Um, no, I got very little out of school. I met showrunners. Um, there's a great Facebook group called Inc. Canada for screenwriters. There's, um, and they do, well, before 
pandemic times, they did monthly meetups where you can just go and meet all the local writers in Toronto and you just like have drinks and they usually have free tequila. So you get a little buzzed and you get to know some high up people and you just chat. And that's how I met great. them. I want to attend this just for the you should alone. <laughs> exactly. Right. So so you're chatting with these people at these networking events, which mm -hmm. I think is very smart of you. And then suddenly you. you get the confidence or you decide to to turn this into like a real thing. So well, it's not quite suddenly um, like one specific person who I don't know if you'd be comfortable with me saying who he is. But um, one specific person I told this about who's like, that's amazing. Um, I want to show you my agent. And then when, when an agent, which is incredibly hard to get for a writer, was like, oh, I want to sign you because you've done this thing on YouTube, uh, that, and then I got confidence in it because oh, I was wow. like, okay, real people care and real people want to, yeah. That's, that's incredible, but that just shows, I guess, the power of connections and also doing your own stuff on the side since you were 12 years old and animating. Absolutely. So did, did anything happen with the agent? Because it, that sounds like a separate story than this other funding that you've got. She is still my agent. Oh, wow. um she gets me jobs that's oh, nice. how i get jobs yeah kind of, like screenwriting jobs mm -hmm. yeah um yeah like how to elaborate on that examples? um i'm attached as a writer on an upcoming animated project that does not have a broadcaster yet i worked on odd squad which is a, a show for kids um i just had a meeting with uh wild brain um like two days ago that she set up. She sets up meetings with like showrunners to get advice. She can set up pitch meetings, places if I want to. Um, she's great. She does no lots way. of stuff. I had, so great. This yeah. is the first I've ever heard of like a, somebody kind of having an agent to set them up with like showrunners and stuff. Cause from my- What? Every, really? Well, yeah, from my understanding, like if you wanna like write or work on a, sh or pitch a show or anything, you gotta like do it all yourself or get your own connections or whatever. I didn't know there were- I mean, she sets me, she, so far, like, it's not like she's been like, you get a job immediately after meeting the showrunner, but she'll be like, another one of my clients runs this show, you should have coffee and tell them about yourself. Or like, you should ask them, like, you know, like, they just set up the initial connection, and then it's up to you to like. That's pretty it. awesome. Have you, have you tr uh, tried to do things on your own? Like, it just sounds like she does, she kind of sets you up with these stuff, so you don't even have to. Yeah. Well, one thing about agents, I mean, this is getting way into writing and not into animating. Um, hey, and it's I, a little bit unfortunate is that most, sorry. That's okay, fine. good. Well, most writers, they get like, they mostly get their own work by like just through their own connections and such. But um, a lot of people won't hire you or take you seriously unless you have representation. It's like a layer of authority to be like, this is a good enough writer for me to look at and care about. So you kind of need one just to um, exist. She's also great and supportive and gives me all kinds of career advice. Um, but yeah, was part of her career advice to come on this podcast? <laughs> no, it wasn't. That was that was other people. But I'm glad I'm here. Hey, what up? Okay, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about the funding. So uh, you applied for yeah. some grants. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, did you have yeah. the whole show idea, like in your? Did you put together like a pitch bible and everything beforehand, and then go and find these grants, or did you, like how did that happen? Oh, so okay. This, this requires going back again to my childhood. I know it doesn't sound like it should, but My Pride as a series was written as a 200 page novel when I was 14. And so I had it like, like, like do you want to get into the whole story of how I applied for the IPF? Because it's silly and dumb. Tell me the most interesting story. <laughs> okay. I guess it's kind of interesting. So I had this but, book but written. But also like, like I'm Canadian and there are other Canadians listening to this and like I'm interested in yeah. knowing how you did all this. So yeah, elaborate. Okay. 
Um, yeah, so I had that book. I wrote when I was 14. I was working at this video game job that I really didn't like. And my boss was like, you're terrible and you'll never get another job because I was asking her for part time. Um, and she didn't like that. She wanted me to stay full time. And so I was like, yeah. and then I quit that job. And uh, the IPF deadline was in one month. And I just animated a trailer in a month using a story that I just had because I like didn't have time to think of something new. So I just used something I made when I was 14. I didn't really expect to get it. It was more like a like a bit of an F you to a person who was uh, mean. And then it just turned out really well uh, by accident. So, but okay, so the IPF, I should tell, talk about what it is. Um, it's, it's the Independent Production Fund. Um, every year, uh, well, they used to run it like you just make a trailer for free and then they pick out the best trailers and then you get to part two and that's when you do your big creative pitch and stuff. Um, and you just have like a two page little pitch for phase one. Now you have to apply with just the, the pitch documents and stuff and they'll give you a budget to make a trailer and then they'll select who gets funding from the trailers that were funded you know, to make, I guess, so that they don't have creators running around doing stuff for free, which was kind of mean of them to begin with. Um, yeah, so it's sort of like a battle royale of trailers for um, independent Canadian creators. That's really cool. Why do you think your, uh, like, why do you think you got funding for this versus other projects? Like, um, how you just said it, you kind of just slapped together something in a month. Obviously, you had written out this a long time ago and had like a story in mind and yeah. characters and all this stuff. But why do you think that you were selected versus other people? I think that um, just the fact that I, I put so much effort into actually animating a whole trailer and um, and it had a big emotional impact. And on top of that, I got 100,000 views, which was 10 times the, the closest trailer to me. Um, so, and they do look at like how your trailer does publicly as part of oh, wow. they decide okay. to fund. So you did see yeah. other, you did see other trailers. Oh, I watched like all the other trailers. It's so interesting. Like in IPF season, it was like my favorite activity to just go through playlists and playlists of other people's trailers and feel bad about mine. <laughs> oh, wow. But so how many people yeah. ended up getting funding? Are you the only one or are there other projects too? No, no, no. They, I think they fund 10 projects every year. You could check on their website. They have how many winners and, and who won each year. They're really good about documenting everything. Nice. So like you said before, you are more interested in screenwriting than animating, but you are ending up animating an entire series right now and doing everything else. Why, like, why are you applying for animation funding, I guess, when your screenwriting is your thing? Well, um, the reason I started animating in the first place, I mean, half to, to do Warrior Cats, but then the other half because I love writing and I love stories and the visual part is a big deal to me. And I hate comic book formats. So it just became like the way to make my stories like visual and feel more real. And it's much easier to get somebody to watch something than read something. Um, and then it was the same thing. Like, that's why I started. And then when I did the My Pride trailer, it just was like, what, what skill do I have? Like, I couldn't have made a trailer with a camera and a cast because I'm that's not in my skill set at all. I don't have any skills in that. So I use what I had and now that's what I'm doing. So how does it feel to be doing this? Um, it feels okay. Yeah. I feel like I should, I should enjoy it more than I do. It's very, very gratifying. Every time we post an episode and we get like, we have these premieres and last time 12,000 people showed up and I get to watch 12,000 people react at once to a brand new episode. That is like the best day of my month. I love that day. But every day other than that day really sucks because <laughs> I work 12 hours a day every day and I don't really get weekends. Um, I just, I just didn't plan it as well as I should have because I didn't come in from an animation background and I just uh, flying by the seat of my pants 
uh, and ended up doing a lot of the work. So it kind of sucks. So you're most basically of the time. a producer right now. Well, no, I, I am 100% credited as the producer. I do all the producer things. I hired everybody. I pay everybody. I do everything. Sweet. I want to talk about that. But first, I want to talk more about the sentiment of hating your life every day to have one day of proud payoff. <laughs> I think um, that's just what art is, man. Yeah, no, I feel you with that. Cause like sometimes when I'm working on a project, it's grueling and, and, you, mm -hmm. and it's like, this is what I want to do. And this is what I've dreamed about doing for so long. And now I'm doing it. And it's like, yeah. I love this, but also it's really tough and I'm stressed and feel anxious about everything. <laughs> exactly. It's, um, there's something writers say a lot, which is I hate writing, but I love having written every, I think every artist is like that where like you just hate having to put in the work, but it's, so gratifying it makes it worth it and makes you want to go back and do the work and be miserable for a month for the one day of the best time a hundred percent so is it is this all worth it for you like would you want to do this for the rest of your career type of thing absolutely not i well i mean i think it's worth it right now i'm really i think making this series is great i'm learning like an insane amount i think that i'll be a way better producer a better writer a better person with people because there's like so much that I've had to like handle owning a company and, and organizing so many people. Um, this is way too much work to maintain for the rest of my life. I would not want to work 12 hour days with no weekends forever. Um, yes. So what do you so so you've animated, you've screenwritten, you've produced, you're like a manager, mm -hmm. you're like doing basically every role. Yeah. What, what is it that you want to do after this? write more things write more. i would love like my dream has always been to be a showrunner which is like you're a writer but you're doing all the things i'm doing i'm essentially being a showrunner right now like a lower stakes showrunner because they produce they organize people they write the scripts they have final say on all the story plots like or story points like it's it's all of this um and i would want to do this without the animation part okay uh, fair enough so maybe a bigger so, i mean i would do it for an animated show sorry go ahead I was just going to say a bigger budget project where you can hire more animators instead of animating yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, oh gosh, that, that would be the like ideal. A, that sounds like a nightmare I kind of want to go through myself, you know, like, like it's like it's you're a learning nightmare. Doing, yeah. And you're, you're also like creating the thing that is like entirely out of your brain. So I know. Yeah, and, and that feels amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, Great. I know we've mentioned my pride like probably 35 times. Can you explain <laughs> what my pride is and who it's for and what it's about? And yeah. It is, um, it sounds sillier than it is when you say it. It's about um, a disabled queer lion and her journey through life. And um, as I said, it was written by myself when I was 14. And it was like, when I wrote it, it was essentially like, instead of a diary, I'm just gonna be a lion now. Um, and it's like weirdly authentic to how everything feels so big and crazy when you're a teenager. Um, but in a fantasy story, I don't know. I feel like it's the the drama and intensity of of teenagehood, uh, but as a lion in a fun little package. So, if you wrote it for when you were a kid, is it for that same age group? It is for teens. It is not for young kids. There's some violence in it, um, and there's some heavy themes, like themes of like abuse. There's themes of misogyny. There's themes of homophobia because the, the lead is gay. Um, there's a lot of heavy themes, so I wouldn't say for like 12 year olds, I would say like whenever we pitch this, we say it's like 15 to 25. And that's our main demo on YouTube. Nice. So how does it, yeah. so you said a lot of these things are, are like things you're going through 
when you were a kid, like it was a diary, I guess. So how does it feel to put your heart on your sleeve like that and then you know, have a premiere where 12,000 people show up and then be like, oh my gosh, there's that scene that's so personal to me and then have people react to it. Like, what does that feel like? It's deeply, deeply terrifying. I always hate the episodes with a passion the day before they go out. Like, I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. They're going to tell me I'm terrible. They're going to tell me I'm awful. They're going to say, like, this was good until now, but now it's taken a bad turn and I hate it. But every single time so far, they've loved it and they've just related to it. And I think that's, like, part of why I love being a writer so much. I can say, like, like very personal, intense things um, and have the validation of someone coming back and being like yeah me too i feel that you made me feel seen and we can both see each other and it's great i love um, that because like i've dealt with in the past where like i don't want to be too personal with my art because i'm afraid somebody will be like oh that's just that's just harry you know that's that's him versus like no it's this character that i've created and it has nothing to do with me <laughs> i think when it's personal there's a, there's a quote from neil gaiman where um i think he says something like when you feel like you're naked in front of the crowd and you're terrified and sick that's when you know you've hit a good story yeah. and i 100% agree with that i've never made something i'm immensely proud of that i haven't also been like kind of embarrassed of. And a lot of my pride is so sincere that I like cringe watching it, but also I think that's why people connect with it because it's like unabashedly so, takes itself so seriously and is so sincerely just it. So what is what is kind of like, obviously you're an adult now, so I'm assuming you're putting, you just said a whole bunch of themes and stuff. Is there like a message you're trying to get across to people who are watching it? There's a lot of messages. I think like the main message would be, um, it would be like, just because the people around you may undervalue you or you may feel misunderstood or like nobody cares, people do care. Sometimes people will undervalue, but it's not usually your fault. You're probably in a culture that has like, especially in the homophobia part, um, it's, I just, I wanna get across to like younger gay teens that like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing like, that's something wrong with them. If they have a problem with, with who you are or what you're like, that's not your problem, that's their problem. Like the whole season one arc of uh, My Pride, spoiler alert, is about learning that the way that the main character has been treated for her disability and for her sexual orientation has never been an issue with her. And she's taken it as an issue with her and it was always an issue with the other people who are treating her poorly for it. That, that is such a nice message. I really like that a lot. Have you, um, have you really connected with any of your, any of the viewers at all? Like, have you had any? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I really love talking to them. I talked to them a little less because I had some harassment problems where people would like stalk down my Facebook and like get a little too uh, cozy. Yeah. But, um, but I, I do really enjoy talking to them. I especially enjoy talking to, um, I have a, a lot of autistic viewers, I think because like they often feel um, very isolated the way that nothing does in the show. The main character's name is nothing. Um, and I've just had lots of conversations with them about about how they feel, I don't know, giving them advice, telling them they're gonna be okay. Oh wow, that's so nice. Oh my yeah. gosh, have, have these conversations impacted your writing for future episodes at all? Um, well, all of the episodes were finished, like the writing was finished before we even put out episode one. So I can't really change anything now. It, it is, it has changed um, plot points and planning for season two, if we do a season two, which I don't know if we will, um, but not, not for season one, because I was already finished. And there was, yeah. Nice. So how, okay, so, um, you know, you've got five episodes out, you're thinking about season two already, uh, you're getting a crazy amount of views, you're connecting with people, these all seem like, and, and you have funding, like, these are all different kind of measures of success, but for, like, you personally, what, 
what is success for this project? Um, I would like, I, my dream among dreams would be if, if uh, some TV company, some broadcaster or studio saw it and was like, this is a very good thing. Let's make it a real TV show. It also, for some reason, Maddie's the showrunner. I don't think that'll happen because I'm 26 and this is my first project, but that's the pie in the sky. Wait, why did, you, why did you bring your age and first project into this? Because a lot of showrunners are first time projects and it doesn't like- um, Well, a lot of showrunners in America are first time projects. In Canada, there's like, maybe it's changing, but there's a very specific process they want you to go through in Canada. They don't like taking risks with their money. So if they're gonna make a Canadian show, they really want it to be with someone who's made shows that have been successful and on TV and like, they don't like taking risks. American producers will just like throw money at a young whippersnapper. Like I, I've been told to go to LA, but I hate America. I don't hate America. I don't like LA and I don't wanna go there or live there, so. <laughs> Where are you hearing this from? Like, have you talked to studios about this project? And they're like, well, if you would take this on, we, we would have like- I have not. Um, the, the people I've talked to are just people who are currently showrunners. Like, um, I talked to the showrunner of Mysticons about it once. Um, yeah, and he was very much like, you need to go to LA if you want to run anything at your age. Like, you'll have to wait till you're at least like mid to late 30s in Canada. They don't trust young people here. Well, if I was picking up your show and I had a studio, I don't know why I'd bring on a different showrunner when you've already done a full season, like, and gotten all the attention, like, what more could they want? I don't know. And I don't know, that. years of experience, I'm sure. Maybe, well, maybe they'll just, maybe I'm just special and they'll let me, who knows? Well, if somebody we'll dangles see. a contract in your face, then come back at the <laughs> showrunner and you're paying me double. Um, give me some line facts. <laughs> That's a good way to not get anything. Oh, sorry, yeah, give me some line facts because, uh, you know, the show is 100% about lions, so. <laughs> it is 100%. Um, line facts. There's maine lionesses that exist in the wild, and they're like the trans lions of nature. Um, sometimes they behave as males, like they'll grow these manes, and then it's like they get to choose their own gender. I think that's very cool. Sometimes they just behave as females with manes, and sometimes they're like, I'm a man now. It's fine. I think that's rad. I don't know of any other thing in nature where trans people just exist and are accepted and chill. That I've never heard of that before, but that sounds crazy. So these these lionesses right. just grow in Maine. They're like, today I'm gonna grow. Yeah. Maine. Are they born with it or like? I don't. I don't know if they made the choice. Um, I haven't read too much into it. My fans. The the reason I even know that is because when I started making the show, I started immediately getting comments like, "Where are the Maine lionesses?" And I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> And then I just Googled it and they just look like male lions, but they're genetically female, which I think Are is pretty cool. Are people constantly harping on like details that you've, you've misconstrued? Yes. <laughs> okay. My favorite detail that I've ever had was someone was like, this show isn't very realistic. I haven't even seen the lions get euphoric around urine. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm writing a fantasy story. Why, did, why should they freak out about pee? Wait, wait. So they're like, okay, the lions can talk and uh, that's, I'm going to put that aside, but the lions aren't getting excited around pee? Have you done a pee? Yeah. No, I haven't done any peeing lion scenes. Why would anyone include well, a peeing lion Well, why not? That's, that's clearly something that's important to lions. <laughs> what people want. The show doesn't sound realistic at all to me, so I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. Up. There needs to be more urine. I get it. I get it. This show needs more urine. That's what you need to say when the showrunner <laughs> takes over your, your show and doesn't put Yeah, out. be like, don't forget the euphoricness around pee. They need it. Oh my the God, I don't, I don't know if this is a kid-friendly show anymore. Oh, well, I'm sorry. You're adult, right? So, there you go. <laughs> um, so how, how has your life changed from all this attention? So like, what I would assume is now you kind of have something to go to studios and like, 
you know, go to Comic-Con signings and stuff like that. How has your life changed since millions of views for My Pride and all this other stuff? Um, I mean, it hasn't quite changed much yet. I got my first taste of how it changed when like a big company like earlier this week was like, ah, yes, we want to hear from you. No one's ever like wanted to hear from me before I have to go knocking on their door. Um, hopefully that continues. Nothing really has changed otherwise. Like, I mean, there's also a pandemic outside. So all I do is animate and I'm not uh, exposed to the out, out, outdoor world much. Fair enough. So can I, can I ask, so you have this grant that's funding 100% the series. Are you, are you making your own salary out of this and stuff like that too? And are, are you like making money off the series? Um, well, okay. My salary is a little bit complicated. I'm in the Writers Guild of Canada. So I was paid the minimum amount for the episode length that I wrote. I wrote all 10 episodes. So I was paid my writing fee at the very beginning, which was quite substantial for me. Like, I don't know other people's version of substantial, but it was substantial for me. So I haven't made any other money than that. So I haven't been paid since December. <laughs> um, luckily, the writing fee has been enough to just to get me through that. Um, and I can probably live on it like to the end of 2020 and then I'll really need to get a job. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've made. I, I, um, I would love to be paid for animation. Originally that was in the budget, um, but it quickly became obvious that that ain't the cards for old Maddie. I gotta make sure everybody else is paid before I'm paid. Well, that's very- Especially because I had the writer's fee. Yeah, yeah that's very honorable of you to not pay yourself for working on animating an entire series when you're doing a lot of <laughs> So are you, how, like, are you looking to kind of, cause you have such a big following now and like, are you looking to monopolize on that? Not really. I mean, it, like if nothing else comes up, if nobody wants to hire me to write on their shows, then I will have to, but I never really had ambitions to be um, a public figure. I really, it makes me quite uncomfortable actually. I'm, I'm a pretty shy person. so. I don't love people looking at me and I'm excited to end that. Fair. So, Cause I was yeah. just thinking you could make like a Patreon or Kickstarter. I do, I do have a Patreon, um, which is, which is great. And it's supporting me right now, but as soon as my pride is over, I would much rather be working on my, my TV writing. So I'm probably going to just uh, put that like on hiatus and not charge anybody. Cause I would feel bad if I wasn't making a show. And, Fair, that's fair. So tell me yeah. about the team that you've assembled. So you got this grant and you're like, I'm by myself right now. And then yeah. how did you assemble a team of 300 people to work on this? Not 300. <laughs> it's like people? 30 at the top end. Okay. 10% um, of people. Yeah, 10% of that. You're almost there. Um, well, the first person I recruited was, uh, I have an executive producer and he helped me a lot with applying for all the funds. And I would recommend if you wanna apply for grants, get yourself an experienced executive producer. So I was always in charge of the creatives and he helped me figure out how the budget would work. Um, and he helped me uh, with like the very the intricacies of what all the grants want from you when you fill them out. So he helped me with that. Um, and then after that, I had to hire an accountant. I found her on Facebook. Uh, I had to hire animators. Right now we have five of them. Um, they're amazing. Um, they're mostly recommendations through friends from Sheridan, actually. Hey, what up? Um, hey. Um, Wait, how did you find this and, executive producer? Because you were like, get an executive producer. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. That, that would be um, from earlier networking. In, it's actually funny. In university, I was almost his intern. Um, I, like, was looking for an internship, and then we interviewed, and, like, nothing happened, but I kept his contact information. I remember that he was um, 
a web series producer. And when I was making my trailer, I was like, oh God, I need help with, it. like, I need help if I get to phase two. Um, who do I know? And he was the only person I knew who produces. And luckily he said yes. Now he's working for you. So now he's working for me. So you have yeah. 30 people working on this production. That is insane. And, and yeah. so how do you manage that all with also animating and, well, the script is done. Like, what is your, what does um, it look like? Uh, what does my day look like? Yeah. Um, I wake up usually at 6 a.m. and then I animate. If it's a Monday, we have meetings. So usually we do meetings. I used to have storyboard meetings, but now all our boards are complete, luckily. Um, so now I just have animation meetings and background meetings. Um, and we discuss what we're going to do this week, what our goals are. are. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I work with composers too, so like all of our music in my pride is is made by this amazing band called In the City, um, and so when I want to work with them, I go through the episode and I make detailed spotting notes, like um, like what time codes things should come in, what mood I want each cue to have, that kind of stuff, and then we have a sound team who adds in all the sound effects, and I have to like we used to go to physical in-person reviews where we'd hear how sound effects sound with the music, and we'd all give notes. Um, now that's just all online, but we still have to do it. What else? Oh, I, I also have a large cast of voice actors because um, we have a lot of characters in the show. So I, these are all finished now, luckily, but we had long meetings where we would do tone meetings and go through the whole script together and talk about how each character felt in each scene and like go through delivery of the lines. Um, just everything. This sounds... But most of my day is animating. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. It sounds like you also have to be insanely detail oriented. How do you motivate yourself to be the person that everybody relies on through all this? Um, I have to do it, so I do it. It's the same way I get through writer's block is when I don't want to do it anymore and I feel like I can't. I'm just like, hey, how lucky are you to be even here? Like, how dare you not want to work today? How dare you not want to go do spotting notes for the series you wrote when you were 14? This was your dream as a child, like grow up. And then I'm like, oh, you're right. I just shame myself. Oh, wow. Working very hard. Shame yourself yeah. into working hard. <laughs> uh, the quote of the day. Do you ever, like, some, so I'm, I'm working on something right now, and there are days where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to take the whole morning off and, like, go for a nice walk with my dog, come home, have a bath, drink some cider, <laughs> and then, like, afterwards... I, I did feel, that today. <laughs> how do you, like, do you ever have down days where you're just like, I can't do this right now? Because it's 12-hour days every day for months sounds intense. Yeah, it is intense. I, I have days where like the the um, burnout just is like, you're not getting out of bed today. And those days happen. Um, I usually know they're happening because in the morning, I like can't get out of bed till 10am. And usually I'm up at six, like ready and working. Um, so when those happen, I just let them happen. And then the next day, I try to get back to it. Like I try not to be angry at myself for those down days. Um, like, because I, I, I don't know about you, but I always feel guilty if I'm if I have a project on the go, and it's not finished. I'm like, constantly like if i'm not working on it right now then i'll die um but i found that's not healthy and and a lot of self-forgiveness <laughs> good i need to work on the self-forgiveness because i just beat myself up for it um Do so not. It's not, it's, <laughs> it sounds like you're working on absolutely everything like you're getting this insane experience during this project that you're funding for and like it's getting a lot of attention like like you have like there are a lot of people working on projects that aren't getting attention or there's a lot of people who are getting attention but don't have the funding. Like it sounds like you kind of have the best of both worlds. So for you to get better at screenwriting and to be a showrunner, what do you need to work on? Because it sounds like you're working on all the right things. Like what is that, what is that thing that would take you to the next level? 
Well, I hope completing my pride will take me to a next level. And then outside of that, I'd really like to get into hour long TV. So I just, writing is all about, as I'm sure animating is, just like doing it over and over and over again. So I wanna work on a lot of longer scripts. I wanna work on getting better at outlines. Right now I'm, I'm much better at writing, like once there's dialogue in there and stuff, I'm like zoom, 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 zoom. But I hate outlines. I hate just like laying out how things are gonna go. So um, my pride really helped with that because I had to outline everything because I have like a very limited scope um, I really do think that doing this project is making me way better at everything I'm doing. Um, hopefully not at the cost of the project. People really are enjoying it, so I hope I'm doing a good job. I am very wary all the time that it's my first time doing most of this, and it might be less good than it would be if I already had experience. Yeah, well, that sounds great. What about something that you are struggling with from the opposite spectrum? Like, what is something that you need to pick up, I guess? In terms of writing or in terms of producing or? Just through this whole experience, like what is something that you found you struggle with that, I don't know. I find that- I'm gonna hire you at the end if you answer right. <laughs> Damn it, I really wanted a job at your podcast. I don't have any money to hire you with, but you're- <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that I need to get, I'm, I'm not so great with people skills. I think I'm really good at like, like sitting down and doing the work. Um, but I'm, I'm worse at communicating. I really, really hate telling people bad news. Like when I have good notes, I'm like so happy to like get back to people and be like, you're amazing, I love this. And then if I have a negative note, I just, I feel so guilty telling anyone that they're not like doing the best because I couldn't do as good as they're doing, but I still have a note. Um, so I, need, I do need to get better about negative notes and delivery of those and just like communicating clearly. I feel like I've run into a lot of problems from me not having quite so good managerial skills because I've never done it. There, yeah, that's something I struggle with too, giving negative feedback. I'll just either avoid it or like try to be upfront and then I'm just mean and then- Exactly, I always feel mean. Like, cause I, I want to avoid it and I'm like, just get it out of the way. But then when I just get it out of the way, it comes off as so blunt and horrible and I look like uh, an asshole. There should be classes on how to give negative feedback. Oh God, I, I would take that in a moment. That is a business idea. Okay. How to do that gently, but like firmly would kill to know. Well, I'm going to look up this afterwards. Maybe there's already a class. Um, so like you're working on this project. When is it, when is it going to be finished? Cause you said you're, you know, the grant is taking you through to the rest of 2020. Yeah. Um, so the last episode is supposed to come out on December 27th. I don't know if we will stay on schedule because originally this was supposed to end in September and it has just like stretched. Did you say um, December 27th? But December 27th, yeah. Like I'm still on Christmas this. Between Christmas and New Year's. Between Christmas and New Year's. I, I know that that's probably not a great release date, but we do last Sunday of every month, and that's the last Sunday that it fell on. So. But there's so many. Maybe it'll end up being January. <laughs> <laughs> People will be home. They'll watch it. We have little fans. It's fine. I'm just wondering, maybe as we're kind of wrapping up our chat, like what is, what is some advice that you wish you had throughout this project that you didn't know that you know now, that you didn't have before, that you know now that you didn't have? That it was a that was a very good way to phrase that, and I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> I am not sure. Um, I think I think actually the number one advice I would take would be to trust your instincts. There have been a few things that have gone wrong um, that I have like foreseen going wrong as soon as I started, um, and then I've been like, "You're just being anxious. Don't think about that." And then they have gone exactly the wrong in the ways I thought. So trusting your instincts is very, very important. They're better than you think. Um, is there anything yeah. else you'd like to share? 
I guess advice if you're, if you, like a lot of people have, have said that like exactly what I'm doing is what their dream is. Like they want to make something like with complete creative control and they want it to be paid and, and I'm doing the thing they want to do. And um, I would say like that you can do it. Like number one would be don't think that that's just a dream. That's absolutely doable. All you have to do is like put in the research and put in the work. And if you put in the time and the work and the effort, things just happen. I found in my life, um, nothing's impossible. If you do that, uh, I guess that's it. When you say research, what do you mean by research? Well, I mean, if you just have a pie, like an idea, like I wish I had a show, then like that doesn't give you anything. If you say, I wish I had a show and then that drives you to Google, what are some grants I can apply to? How do I get the skills to make the show? Who are people I could hire? Who could help me with this? Who can I ask for advice? Like those are productive questions. And just saying, I want this is not productive. Like it's also with screenwriting. I have some friends who are like, how did you get anywhere in screenwriting? It's incredibly difficult to like get your first job um, and such. And it was, it's, it's just like, you have to go and, and meet people and research where you should go and research who you should talk to and like put in all the effort. Totally. I think, I think including myself, a lot of people think that the only way you get a show is to get it picked up by a network or a studio or something. And then it's, and then it's made, but like there are grants and stuff out there and other funds that can totally do that. Yeah. That. So I think that's awesome. Especially in Canada. And, and like, I mean, I got the grant because I'd done a lot of unpaid work before. Like I had my Warrior Cat series when I was 12 and I had my other series that I did for free in high school. And having something like anything, even like having that online series helped me get into university, helped me get my agent. It, it helped my career immensely. It also taught me how to write because I wrote 25 episodes of something before I was even like anywhere in my career. Um, and that's uh, useful. Like even if it's free work, if you're doing it for yourself and telling your own story, I don't think that's ever wasted time. Totally. I, it's like there's a perception of like, I'll start when I have it type of thing. Like I'll start writing when I, I'm i on a show or something. Like uh, that. So just like, just start now and just do you it. You have to start now. The, the people who say I'll start writing when someone hires me to write or I'll start writing when this or I'll start writing when that or when inspiration strikes, that drives you crazy. Inspiration is not going to strike. You have to be there at your desk, like trying and trying and it'll come if you like call it constantly, but it's not just going to like flop on your head from space. You have to be there putting in the work before you get inspiration for a really good story. Totally. Totally. Well, is there anything else you wanted to, to chat about as we wrap up? I guess not. Thank you for the lovely chat. Thank you for coming on to share your life's journey and what you're currently working on. I think it's really cool. <laughs> And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Maddie or follow her work or watch My Pride, I'm going to include all those social links in the description of this chat, including her Instagram and the YouTube and all that. So uh, please check it out. And that's all for now. Okay, bye.